Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about how to tell whether or not you have a positioning problem. <laughs> <laughs> it took 10 tries. That's why we're laughing. Um, okay, we have, a, we have a, a speech problem on my part. but uh, So let's, let's talk about it. You might have a positioning problem if... If... So one example would be if your clients can't tell the difference between you and everybody else. Boom. Well, that kind of sums it up. So, okay, let me yeah. drill, let's drill in on that. How would you know that they can't tell the difference between you and everyone else? Well, usually they, they use the kind of language that indicates that you're interchangeable. They focus first on price. Yep. Right. They will compare you to somebody else. And just assume that you can do the same thing and probably at a cheaper price. I mean, those are just two like really quick things. Yeah, I, I think the most obvious thing is that they consider you be interchangeable. And that expresses itself with them saying, oh, but you're the most expensive. Or, well, this other company gave us a lower price. Can you match it? They basically see you as interchangeable with someone else. And therefore, the only distinction they can make, the thing that they understand, the only differentiator that they understand about you is how much you cost. And that, that by far to me, that is the number one thing. Yeah. Or somebody said this to me one time and I was so offended and he said, well, I'm talking to some other people like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he thought, excuse me, right? <laughs> who's like me? So yeah, that's not a good thing to hear. Right. Yeah. Um, another one is, uh, you might have a positioning problem if you're not getting any word of mouth. Yes. Yes. So you might have clients that are absolutely delighted with what you did for them, but they still might not really understand what you do. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. In, in, in a way that they can easily articulate it to someone else who might benefit from your services. So whatever reason, however you ended up working with them, uh, you know, you get through your project and whatever, maybe it was priced, maybe you liked the price, maybe you didn't, whatever, you, but you get into these client relationships, somehow you stumble into them, you know, some friend refers you or something and you get to the end of it and they, if you ask them, Hey, uh, listen, uh, just as a follow up, what do you, what do you think I do? Like, how do you, how would you describe mm -hmm. what I do? And they can't even do it. Yeah. That's not something I would recommend you do. It's a weird question to ask your clients, but but just as a thought experiment, think back and and wonder to yourself whether your clients could even you know in five words explain what you do. It could even you could you, dear listener, even in five words explain what you do. Right. Right. So if you can't, it's a tough then, one. right, you probably have a positioning problem. Well, you know the the way I think of that is is I would say you have a, posi a positioning problem if you're not leading how your target target audience sees you. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, it took me a second for that to sink in. Yeah. Right, right. You know, so for example, I have people reach out to me all the time and they start with be unforgettable. And they'll do it in some way like, I want you to make me unforgettable. Mm. And, you know, and it's sort of cute, but it's, I've led them to that. Mm -hmm. Right. They're repeating those words and that positioning. And I think you want to lead your clients to think of you the way you want them to. Yeah. I, I usually say it like this, you want to give them the tools to spread the word. So, you know, if it's, if it's something like, I mean, that's a great one. Be, I want to be unforgettable. Okay, great. It's like, that's what you, it's like <laughs> you, you're selling, but here's what's cool about that. You're selling the change you're selling the desired future state. It's very aspirational. 
And when someone finally decides that they need that or they want that, then you're the go-to person. Mm-hmm. And they they view it from the perspective of the transformation, not from the perspective of the deliverables and the activities that you're going to engage in on their behalf. So right. they, it's not like, right. oh, well, how many hours is it going to take for you to, you know, oh, Rochelle, you're a branding person. Okay, we think we need some branding help, I guess. Someone told us our brand is not great or we got a uh, net promoter score is terrible or some, you know, some trigger happens and like, mm-hmm. oh, somebody find me some branding people. Your name comes up in a list, but you don't have your positioning. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, okay, so what do you do for your clients? Oh, well, I take them through, you know, first we build a brand brief and then we go through all these questions and your vision statement and, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the things that you do are and all these activities. And they think, okay, well, how long is that going to take? How many, what's your hourly rate? And they're, they're viewing it from the ground level. They're viewing it from the, the task level, the activities they're going to be undertaken. And that's completely the wrong way to look at it, in my opinion. So since you position the whole thing as the change, you know, the transformation that they're going to enjoy, then it's like, oh, I don't really care what you do. Just make me unforgettable. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and the way you described it the first time, I was bored. I was right. Like, oh, it's man, so boring. I'm doing this and doing this and doing this. It's like, Ugh. It doesn't sound like fun. Mm-hmm. It's the outcome you want. And, and I'll have people say, well... Uh, how many meetings are we going to have? And it's not about the time so much. It's about what time they have to spend. Right. Mm-hmm. The right? investment. But they're, yeah. And they're focused on the outcome. And they might ask questions about a step in the process. But it's kind of like, okay, I, it's the outcome we're going for. You've done this before. I trust you to get me there. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. It's a very different conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So then I, that sort of leads me to you have a positioning problem if mm-hmm. you don't know who your target audience is. Yes. Huge. It's huge. Yeah. And I I talk about this all the time on Ditching Hourly and on my mailing list and stuff. And a a lot of times people will, and this is my own fault, most of the time when I talk about a target market, it's it usually is in the context of choosing a vertical, which is a very specific, it's kind of a ham-fisted approach to picking a target market, but it's so easy that that's mm-hmm. usually for people who are new to this that's usually the one that i i focus on because it's so easy the problem with that is well there are lots of problems with that tons of problems with it uh, but the one i want to talk about right now is that that's just one way to think about your target market or you could call it an audience or a tribe or your people or you know birds of a feather so so any way that you define those people it doesn't have to be a vertical market position. It could be something like demographics or it could be a job title. Like I help CEOs manage their teams better, or, uh, I help, uh, people who enjoy martial arts regain flexibility in their hips. You know, it's like, it could be mm-hmm. any kind of, any kind of cross section of the population. And people tend to get overly fixated on, I'm like, oh, but I don't want to just work with dentists for the rest of my life. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, let's not get overly focused on that. But to bring it back to your point, if you don't know that and your target market is like small, medium and large businesses or like businesses from small to large, I'm like, come yeah. on, that's, no. that's everyone. 
You know, if no. you're doing, if you're selling services to B2B, that's literally everyone. Well, and there's a matching process that happens that, I mean, you look at demographics, you look at psychographics, you can look at this all sorts, so you can slice and dice it a lot of different ways. But the thing you also want to remember is what are your strengths and talents? How do you want to work? So if you're a big concept person, you might not want to work with an, uh, I'm not saying accountants generally, but accountants who are very narrow and specific about, you know, the numbers. They don't want to think up here. They want to think very specifically. You need to find your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And that matching process is part of what helps you find those people. It's, it's a little softer than slicing and dicing, but you slice and dice first, typically, and then you find where your natural uh, connections are. Right. So other people, other people, you know, dear listener, you, you might be super into like, uh, complete being counter anal, you know, like personality <laughs> types. I mean, maybe that's your thing and you dig it. Right. I mean, a lot of developers are like that. So cool. Fine. You're going to be hanging out with these people. So you might as well pick ones you like. Yeah. You got to like them and hopefully love them mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. yeah. So that's just a piece of positioning though. Then the, I think, equally important is what is the change that you make for those people? What is the transformation? How do you help them? What is the thing that you, not how do you like, again, not, not what activities do you engage in on their behalf? Not that kind of do, but what do you do for them? What do you transform them into or what do you help them achieve or what pain do you alleviate? To me, that's like, that is the core. The core position is like, I help these people achieve this outcome. Right. So you have a positioning problem if you don't know or you don't talk about how you transform your clients. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important because it's it, it, it's part of the job, I think, of a consultant or a service provider is we always have to translate what we're doing into something that makes sense to the client, not to us. It doesn't matter you know, how many hours it takes us or how many widgets we have to move. It's what's the outcome Right. Mm-hmm. And the how we get them there is a lot less important than the fact that we're focused on the same end goal. Yep. Yeah. And and that does have a big impact on the way that you could ultimately price your engagements, because, you know, like we were talking about with your example, it, it's focused on the outcome. And and that means that it's not focused on the granular activities that you're going to undertake. So the the pricing Every, all the psychology about the pricing will be fixated on the value of the outcome and the price will be some fraction mm-hmm. of that value. So um, not that you, again, not that you won't talk about the things that you're going to do because they need to know how much time they need to invest on top of the money. Yeah. But, and they'll be curious about that. They, they're going to want to know that the uh, techniques that you will employ are ethical, you know, like uh, maybe you're hiring SEO person. You want to make sure that they're not going to do anything that you would consider distasteful or right you know so it's not like your methods don't matter it's just not the focus yeah it's 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 always about the outcome and everything else is about how you're going to get there and and actually it's it's interesting i think if you're talking to a potential client and they're really focused on the minutiae and ignoring the outcome it's probably not a good client for Mm -hmm. you yeah right yep and that that tends to happen in my world that happens a lot when software developers or engineers or consultants are selling to highly technical buyers. You know, so if you're, if you are, if you offer some sort of services around like 
you know, a popular f- framework like React and you're selling to CTOs of Silicon Valley tech startups, they probably know as much about it as you do. So mm-hmm. they're going to be way more, they're like, yeah, 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 I get all that other stuff, but what how, exactly, how are you going to, you know, and then before you know it, you're having like a code exam, like on the spot and uh, yeah, they're utterly, you know, a, a wonderful ex-employer of mine used to call it technical butt sniffing where <laughs> they sort of like get all of these dogs in the room and they all want to like, you know, say, oh yeah, oh yeah, spaces are tabs, huh? Yeah. That's a bad well, yeah, because then you're not positioning yourself as an authority, yes. right? You're coming in or you're trying to position yourself in an, as an authority and something that doesn't matter because so many other people can do it. Yeah. You're selling shoemaking services to cobblers. Yeah. Oh, kind of doesn't sound like fun. No, they're going to second guess absolutely every detail. So, okay. So maybe we should step back for a second and just talk. I, there's one, one thing I want to point out about positioning because we didn't we didn't start off by defining what it is some people you know will at least that i talk to sort of conflate it with the conflate their positioning statement with everything they do they conflate it with their identity as a business owner or perhaps a person and that's not what it is so positioning to me is it's a marketing uh, it's almost like a marketing tactic. It gets kind of strategic in a way. I don't know. You, you can tell me what you think, but to me, it's basically a marketing tactic that you employ to get people in the door. And once they're in the door, then you can expose them in a very personal way to all of the other things that you per- perhaps offer, or you might reveal over time that you don't only sell to dentists, you also sell to doctors. But the sign that you put outside your establishment can't have all of that stuff on it or people are just going to walk by. It's too overwhelming. But if the sign just says the one thing that's going to attract the attention of the ideal buyer, not all the possible buyers that you could help, but the ideal ones, then guess what? You're going to start having more and more foot traffic come inside from ideal buyers, like the ones that you really want to work with and the ones that you click with the most. And over time, you'll have all opportunities to say yes or no to projects from other sorts of people. So it's not the be all end all of everything you'll ever do. You're not really locking yourself into a box. It's the sign outside the pub that says ice cold beer inside. And then you go inside and there's a hundred beers on the menu. That, so that is the difference between the menu and the sandwich board outside, I think is an important distinction to make. Yeah, I, I look at it a little bit differently. I don't disagree with the, the last um, observation you made, um, but I think of positioning as more than a tactic. I, I see it as really strategic and and ideally, in an ideal world, it's where you start before you do anything in terms of consulting. And so so here's how I would I would describe it. I would say it's an organized effort we can you know talk about what that is to differentiate yourself or your firm to influence how your target audience perceives you so organized effort differentiate influence and target audience mm, I, th- I think okay. those are like the four key that's how i think of it going into this because ideally your positioning should last a long time it doesn't have to last forever probably won't mm-hmm. but i'm thinking your positioning isn't something you change uh, you know, every every day, every week, every year, a good position lasts ten or twenty years, but probably will last four or five at least. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, 
And it does, I do think it, uh, and I also agree with that. I was kind of, I was kind of stammering before about tactic or strategy. It can be kind of strategic. I do, I do agree with what you're saying. It's like, it becomes, it's sort of a chicken and egg thing for me though. That's, that's why I'm not yeah. sure where to put it because it's like, well, this. It's both. It's, it's both. actually both. Yeah. Cause the strategy That's why I said is, it's that organized effort because that's the tactical. Okay. Right. Once you figure out what it is. Then you, I mean, if you don't do the tactics, this doesn't do you any good. I mean, you have to act. Right. You have to, you have to do your follow a plan, make mm. a plan, follow a plan, do the work. Mm. Yep. Right. Yeah. And the, the wild thing about it is that, that if it feels constraining, I mean, it shouldn't feel constraining, but it is constraining. It should yeah. constrain you. That's what a strategy, that's what a strategic thinking is. A, strate- a strategy is, to me, like a litmus test for deciding what not to do, like what's a good opportunity and a bad opportunity. If you have a strategy, you can tell those two things, two things apart. And mm-hmm. positioning does act in that way where it's like, oh, well, this is the kind of work I do. Uh, I can be, if, if you are in a position financially where you can be picky about the clients that you work with, it's indispensable because then you're like, you're not just taking, you know, the first person that comes through the door, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure a lot of people have had the experience of taking on a bad client and thinking like, I hate this job. Like, why am I even doing this? This is so hard. I don't want to do yeah. this job anymore. It's not your job, like whether you're a software developer or a branding expert. It's it's that you're taking on bad clients. Most And the most likely reason for that is that you need the money for cash flow reasons. And the most likely reason for that is that you're pricing yourself too low the biggest reason for that is because you're not differentiated from everybody else who does what you do. <laughs> so you see how it like, it's like a circle. Yeah, it, it really is. It, and I think that when you think about positioning yourself or your firm, it really is the single most important thing you're going to do in your business. If you're in the authority business, it's the single most important thing you're going to do. Makes everything else easier. It does. It does. And it's that uh, it's that feeling that you're closing off other opportunities that I think is hardest for people because mm-hmm. there there's this innate part of us that goes, but I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. But it gives you that clarity to decide. I mean, I'm thinking of a, a gentleman called me two or three years ago, I think it was, and he'd seen something that I put together and he wanted he was wondering if I would be willing to do it, a special version for his audience. And they were all high school seniors getting ready to go to college. Hmm. And I thought about it. And I finally I finally said no, because if I was going to do it, I was going to do it as as a charity because I didn't expect to get any business out of it. I don't work with high school or college students. It's, you know, it's, hmm. they're usually at least 30 before we're we're talking on about something. But um, it made it a really easy choice because I realized that's not who I talk to. I'd have to change the language, change my voice. And I'm like, I, I, I don't want to do that. It's it's not my audience. Yeah, it's not a good um, fit. Yeah. And, you know, otherwise I was going to waste a lot of his time and possibly my time uh, either talking about it more and trying to figure out how to make it work or actually producing something that, you know, for all I know, high school seniors would go, eh. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if, if my stuff is relevant to them. That's another great point about positioning, which is that it allows you to have a central hub for your flywheel, which is like all of the content that you create over time, all of your speaking gigs, all of your blog posts, all of your emails, all of your eBooks, everything you create when you have a really well-defined position where I'm helping this audience reach this outcome, 
or transform in this particular way. This is the change I am trying to enable for this group of people. Everything you write, it doesn't, the topics could be very different. Everything from like, here's how you do an email signature. Here's how you get a speaking gig. Here it is a bunch of random seeming stuff, but it all applies to that goal of helping these people reach this outcome. Mm-hmm. And you, it creates this giant, it allows you to create a body of work. Now, if you did that, that uh, high school senior thing, it would just be like, it would be like the black sheep. It would just be like sitting over there on the side. Like, where do I even put this on my website? This is basically useless to me from a right. long-term standpoint. So it turns into a pro bono charity thing, which is certainly right. reasonable. But, um, but since you have a clear audience or a clear target market, you could say, is this a distraction or is this a good thing? And you, exactly. you were able to come up with the answer. Yeah. And very fast. Yeah. <laughs> very fast. You know, another way to think about it, it, this is sort of stepping back and looking at it from maybe 30 or 40,000 feet is I always think of these things as when you think about a, a positioning as these three interlocking circles. So one circle is your talents, right? The things that you do that are really good and ideally the things that you do that very few other people do. And then you've got another circle that intersects with that um, somewhat. And those are your passions, Right. Because there's probably some things you're passionate about that maybe you don't count as a talent. Mm-hmm. Right. And and vice versa. And then the third one is the market for that. And so you have to overlay that. So I could be really passionate about about yoga, but I don't have any talent as a yoga teacher. And so, you know, it doesn't really matter if there's a market for it because I, I, I'm not going to be in it. Right. Or you can decide I'm really passionate about I'm trying to think of something there is no market for. Right. I'm, I'm passionate about I just want to sit around my house and watch television. <laughs> um, you know, there's probably not much of a market for that. So so it's how you put those three things together and you always want to look at something. So you could be really good at something that you've done for a long time, but you're tired of doing it. You're like, I'm not passionate about that anymore. Right. That's not going to be it. But if you're passionate about something you're not talented at, then you have to decide, and if there's a market for it, then you have to decide whether you want to build the talent, your talent. So it's thinking about talents, passions, marketplace for, the, for your services and products. Where do they intersect? And mm-hmm. you don't want to go too far in any one direction. The sweet spot's right in the middle where they all overlap. Cool. All right. Well, is there anything else we need to say here? You might have a positioning problem if <laughs> I think we've given, we've definitely touched on probably the three big ones. Well, I guess that this is a, a smaller one, but I think it's still, it's still relevant is that, you know, you have a positioning problem if um, you're not regularly working at building your reputation, your niche, your positioning, you've got to, you have to have a plan and you, you have to work it. Mm, interesting. So yeah, I don't think it's, it, it doesn't stop. You know, this is where we talked about, is this a strategy or a tactic? Mm-hmm. It's a strategy in terms of how you position yourself, but it's a tactic in terms of how you reinforce it every day right. in every way, right? Social media, writing, uh, any content, uh, the consulting you do, the way you interact with clients, the way you do your new business meetings, all of those things. I mean, if without that positioning, it doesn't have as much meaning and certainly not as much punch. Yeah. It, it has to infuse everything. Yeah. 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 I guess you, you know what? You're right. It, 
I do see it in that context. I do see it more as a strategy. It's like an underpinning of the entire of it. It underpins all of the tactics. Mm hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. But you have to do the tactics. Yeah, you have to do them. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You can't just think you it. Can't, right, can't just think it. Yeah, I've got a sticky on my computer monitor that has my position. I read it every day. <laughs> That's enough. Okay, well, good for you, but now you got to do it too. All right, it's probably a good place to leave it for this week. I think so. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next week for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.